Welcome to the book club. I'm here with four of my students today and we're talking about the book, The Maze Runner. Um, I'm gonna have each of them introduce themselves and say one thing that they love to do besides reading. Uh, my name is Maddie and one thing I like to do besides read is draw. My name is Gabby and I like to play volleyball. My name is Kylie and I like to ski. Um, my name is Elsa and I also like to play volleyball. Awesome. And we're going to be talking about The Maze Runner today. Before we get to our discussion about the book, we're going to have a celebrity reader read a section of the book for you. Who can tell us who our celebrity reader is and what the section of the book is about? Our celebrity reader is um, one of our teachers named Robert. And what section of the book is he going to be reading? What's it about? He's going to be reading chapter two. Awesome. So we're going to hear that chapter of the book, and then we'll come back and discuss The Maze Runner. Chapter 2. The helping hands didn't stop swarming around him until Thomas stood up straight and had the dust brushed from his shirt and pants. Still dazzled by the light, he staggered a bit. He was consumed with curiosity, but still felt too ill to look closely at his surroundings. His new companion said nothing as he swiveled his head around, trying to take it all in. As he rotated in a slow circle, the other kids snickered and stared. Some reached out and poked him with a finger. There had to be at least 50 of them, their clothes smudged and sweaty, as if they'd been hard at work, all shapes and sizes and races, their hair of varying lengths. Thomas suddenly felt dizzy his eyes flickering between the boys and the bizarre place in which he'd found himself. They stood in a vast courtyard several times the size of a football field, surrounded by four enormous walls made of gray stone and covered in spots with thick ivy. The walls had to be hundreds of feet high and formed a perfect square around them, each side split in the exact middle by an opening as tall as the walls themselves that, from what Thomas could see, led to passages and long corridors beyond. Look at the green bean, a scratchy voice said. Thomas couldn't see who it came from. Gonna break his shuck neck checking out the new digs, several boys laughed. Shut your hole, galley, a deeper voice responded. Thomas focused back in on the dozens of strangers around him. He knew he must look out of it. He felt like he'd been drugged. A tall kid with blonde hair and a square jaw sniffed at him, his face devoid of expression. A short, pudgy boy fidgeted back and forth on his feet, looking up at Thomas with wide eyes. A thick, heavily muscled Asian kid folded his arms as he studied Thomas. His tight shirt sleeves rolled up to show off his biceps. A dark-skinned boy frowned, the same one who'd welcomed him. Countless others stared. Where am I? Thomas asked surprised at hearing his voice for the first time in his salvageable memory. It didn't sound quite right, higher than he would have imagined. Nowhere good, this came from the dark-skinned boy. Just slim yourself nice and calm. Which keeper he gonna get? Someone shouted from the back of the crowd. I told you, Shuck Face, a shrill voice responded. He's a clunk, so he'll be a slopper, no doubt about it. The kid giggled like he'd just said the funniest thing in history. Thomas once again felt a pressing ache of confusion, hearing so many words and phrases that didn't make sense. Shank? 
Shuck, Keeper, Slopper. They popped out the boy's mouth so naturally it seemed odd for him not to understand. It was as if his memory loss had stolen a chunk of his language. It was disorienting. Different emotions battled for dominance in his mind and heart. Confusion, curiosity, panic, fear. But laced through it all was the dark feeling of utter hopelessness, like the world had ended for him, had been wiped from his memory and replaced with something awful. He wanted to run and hide from these people. The scratchy voice boy was talking. Even do that much, bet my liver on it. Thomas still couldn't see his face. I said shut your holes, the dark boy yelled. Keep yapping and next break will be cut in half. That must be their leader, Thomas realized. Hating how everyone gawked at him, he concentrated on studying the place the boy had called the glade. The floor of the courtyard looked like it was made of huge stone blocks, many of them cracked and filled with long grasses and weeds. An odd, dilapidated wooden building near one of the corners of the square contrasted greatly with the gray stone. A few trees surrounded it, their roots like gnarled hands digging into the rock floor for food. Another corner of the compound held gardens. From where he was standing, Thomas recognized corn, tomato plants, fruit trees. Across the courtyard from there stood wooden pens holding sheep and pig and cows. A large grove of trees filled the final corner. The closest ones looked crippled and close to dying. The sky overhead was cloudless and blue, but Thomas could see no sign of the sun despite the brightness of the day. The creeping shadows of the walls didn't reveal the time or direction. It could be early morning or late afternoon, as he breathed in deeply, trying to settle his nerves. A mixture of smells bombarded him. Freshly turned dirt, manure, pine, something rotten and something sweet. Somehow he knew that these were the smells of a farm. Thomas looked back at his captors, feeling awkward but desperate to ask questions. Captors, he thought. Then, why did that word pop into my head? He scanned their faces, taking in each expression, judging them. One boy's eyes, flared with hatred, stopped him cold. He looked so angry, Thomas wouldn't have been surprised if the kid came at him with a knife. He had black hair, and when they made eye contact, the boy shook his head and turned away, walking towards a greasy iron pole with a wooden bench next to it. A multicolored flag hung limply at the top of the pole, no wind to reveal its pattern. Shaking, Thomas stared at the boy's back until he turned and took a seat. Thomas quickly looked away. Suddenly, the leader of the group, perhaps he was 17, took a step forward. He wore normal clothes, black t-shirt, jeans, tennis shoes, a digital watch. For some reason, the clothing here surprised Thomas. It seemed like everyone should be wearing something more menacing, like prison garb. The dark-skinned boy had short, cropped hair, his face clean-shaven, but other than the permanent scowl, there was nothing scary about him at all. It's a long story, Shank, the boy said. Piece by piece, you'll learn. I'll be taking you on the tour tomorrow. Till then, just don't break anything. He held a hand out. 
Name's Albie. He waited, clearly wanting to shake hands. Thomas refused. Some instinct took over his actions, and without saying anything, he turned away from Albie and walked to a nearby tree, where he plopped down to sit with his back against the rough bark. Panic swelled inside him once again, almost too much to bear. But he took a deep breath and forced himself to try to accept the situation. Just go with it, he thought. You won't figure out anything if you give in to fear. Then tell me, Thomas called out, struggling to keep his voice even. Tell me the long story. Albie glanced at the friends closest to him, rolling his eyes, and Thomas studied the crowd again. His original estimate had been close. There were probably 50 to 60 of them, ranging from boys in their mid-teens to young adults like Albie, who seemed to be one of the oldest. At, the, at that moment, Thomas realized with a sickening lurch that he had no idea how old he was. His heart sank at the thought. He was so lost he didn't even know his own age. Seriously, he said, giving up on the show of courage, where am I? Albie walked over to him and sat down cross-legged. The crowd of boys followed and packed him behind. Heads popped up here and there, kids leaning in every direction to get a better look. If you ain't scared, Albie said, you ain't human. Act any different and I throw you off the cliff because it mean you're a psycho. The cliff? Thomas asked, blood draining from his face. Shuck it, Albie said, rubbing his eyes. Ain't no way to start these conversations, you get me? We don't kill shanks like you here, I promise. Just try and avoid being killed. Survive, whatever. He paused and Thomas realized his face must have been whitened even more when he heard that last part. Man, Albie said, then ran his hands over his short hair as he let out a long sigh. I ain't good at this. You're the first green bean since Nick was killed. Thomas's eyes widened, and another boy stepped up and playfully slapped Albie across the head. Wait for the bloody tour, Albie, he said, his voice thick with an odd accent. Kid's gonna have a buggin' heart attack. Nothing even been heard yet. He bent down and extended his hand towards Thomas. Name's Newt, Greeny, and we'd all be right, Cheery, if you'd forgive our Clunk for Brains new leader here. Thomas reached out and shook the boy's hand. He seemed a lot nicer than Albie. Newt was taller than Albie, too, but looked to be a year or so younger. His hair was blonde and cut long, cascading over his t-shirt, veins stuck out of his muscled arms. Pipe it, Shuckface, Albie grunted, pulling Newt down to sit next to him. At least he can understand half my words. There were a few scattered laughs, and then everyone gathered behind Albie and Newt, packing in even tighter, waiting to hear what they said. Albie spread his arms out, palms up. This place is called the Glade, all right? It's where we live, where we eat, where we sleep, we call ourselves the Gladers. That's all you... Who sent me here? Thomas demanded, fear finally giving way to anger. How... But Albie's hand shot out before he could finish, grabbing Thomas by the shirt as he leaned forward on his knees. Get up, Shank, get up! Albie stood, pulling Thomas with him. Thomas finally got his feet under him, scared all over again. He backed against the tree, trying to get away from Albie who stayed right in his face. No interruptions, boy, Albie shouted, 
Whacker, if we told you everything, you'd die on the spot. Right after you clunked your pants. Baggers would drag you off. And you ain't no good to us then, are you? I don't even know what you're talking about, Thomas said, slowly, shocked at how steady his voice sounded. Newt reached out and grabbed Albie by the shoulders. Albie, lay off a bit. You're hurting more than helping, you know? Albie let go of Thomas's shirt and stepped back, his chest heaving with breaths. Ain't got time to be nice, Green Bean. Old life's over. New life's begun. Learn the rules quick. Listen. Don't talk. You get me? Thomas looked over at Newt, hoping for help. Everything inside him churned and hurt. The tears that had yet to come burned his eyes. Newt nodded. Greeny, you get him, right? He nodded again. Thomas fumed, wanted to punch somebody, but he simply said, yeah. Good that, Albie said. First day. That's what today is for you, Shank. Night's coming. Runners will be back soon. The box came late today. Ain't got time for the tour. Tomorrow morning, right after the wake-up. He turned towards Newt. Get him in bed. Get him to sleep. Good that, Newt said. Albie's eyes returned to Thomas, narrowing. A few weeks, you'll be happy, Shank. You'll be happy and helping. None of us knew Jack on first day. You neither. New life begins tomorrow. Albie turned and pushed his way through the crowd then headed for the slanted wooden building in the corner. Most of the kids wandered away, then each one giving Thomas a lingering look before they walked off. Thomas folded his arms, closed his eyes, took a deep breath. Emptiness ate away at his insides, quickly replaced by a sadness that hurt his heart. It was all too much. Where was he? What was this place? Was it some kind of prison? If so, why had he been sent there? And for how long? The language was odd, and none of the boys seemed to care whether he lived or died. Tears threatened again to fill his eyes, but he refused to let them come. What did I do? He whispered, not really meaning for anyone to hear him. What did I do? Why'd they send me here? Newt clapped him on the shoulder. Greeny, what you're feeling, we've all felt it. We've all had first day. Come out of that dark box. Things are bad, they are, and they'll get much worse for you soon. That's the truth. But down the road of peace, you'll be fighting true and good. I can tell you're not a bloody sissy. Is this a prison, Thomas asked? He dug in the darkness of his thoughts, trying to find a crack to his past. Done asked four questions, haven't you? Newt replied. No good answers for you, not yet, anyway. Best be quiet now. Accept the change. Morn comes tomorrow. Thomas said nothing. His head sunk, his eyes staring at the cracked, rocky ground. A line of small leaf weeds ran along the edge of one of the stone blocks, tiny yellow flowers peeping through as if searching for the sun. Long disappeared behind the enormous walls of the glade. Chuck'll be a good fit for you, Newt said. Wee little fat shank. But nice sap when all's said and done. Stay here, I'll be back. Newt had barely finished his sentence when a sudden piercing scream ripped through the air. High and shrill, the barely human shriek echoed across the stone courtyard. Every kid in sight turned to look towards the source. Thomas felt his blood turn to icy slush as he realized that the horrible sound came from the wooden building. Even Newt had jumped as if startled, his forehead creasing in concern. 
Shuck it, he said. Can't the bloody Medjax handle that boy for ten minutes without needing my help? He shook his head and lightly kicked Thomas on the foot. Find Chucky. Tell him he's in charge of your sleeping arrangements. And then he turned and headed in the direction of the building, running. Thomas slid down the rough face of the tree until he sat on the ground again. He shrank back against the bark and closed his eyes, wishing he could wake up from this terrible, terrible dream. Okay, so that was Robert reading a section from The Maze Runner. Uh, one of the things that's really interesting about this book is that it starts in a very mysterious way. Who can tell us how this book opens? So it starts when Thomas is stuck in a place. He just finds himself in a place he's never been before. And he's really scared and unsure about what's happening to him. What was that like for all of you to read a book where it really wasn't clear what was happening at the very beginning? It was sort of strange because it sort of opened up and you didn't really know what was happening. But when you got more into the book, you could really understand. So Thomas does start to figure out what's going on eventually. Without spoiling the ending of this book, you can give us a little bit of a sense of you know, what's going on? Why is this book called The Maze Runner? What does that have to do with what's going on in this strange world that Thomas finds himself in? Um, so Thomas, he just comes in and there's like, everyone has kind of like a role they do to survive. And um, in the glade, the place that he's in, uh, there's this maze and he, re he feels like he has to, like, discover the maze. Like, he has to be, like, a maze runner. Um, and there's maze runners in the glade. So, yeah. um, One of our listeners, Addie, wants to know if you could kind of describe what it is that Thomas sees when he first comes into this place. What does it look like? What does he notice about it when he, when he first emerges? When Thomas first emerges, the first thing he sees is a large group of 50 guys or so, and he feels very confused because they have weird language, like part of their language is mixed up. Elsa was talking a little bit about the Glade. Kylie, could you tell me, you know, what is the Glade? How would we describe it physically? What does it look like? Um, for Thomas? Um, the glade looks like a very flat, grassy area with a bunch of walls because there's a big maze and there's a lot of livestock there. Yeah. Um, and what about the maze itself? Who can tell us about the maze? And especially um, Vilko's wondering, you know, are there any animals or monsters or other things found in the maze? So the maze is what Thomas is trying to get out of because he thinks if they get out of the maze, then they can be free from the place that they're stuck in. And there is a, there is a monster called the Griever and it is dangerous and they come out at night. There are many. Early in the book, um, Thomas encounters other people. And what I'm wondering is, do these people accept Thomas just the way he is? Because, you know, he comes into this completely unknown place. He's not even sure why he's there. 
Um, what's it like for him when he first meets people? When Thomas first meets people, or the Gladers is what they call themselves, he first is confused because they call him Greeny. And he feels like he doesn't belong. One of the quotes that stood out to me in the book um, that maybe gets a little bit to the heart of the title. Uh, early on, somebody says, just follow me and run like your life depends on it, because it does. What does that mean? How does that relate to the book and, and what happens in it? Um, if he, because his life depends on it, because if he doesn't make it back in time, like, if he doesn't make it back in time by dawn, the maze will close and the grievers will get him and he'll die. So in addition to the, you know, the challenge of the grievers and everything else, what are some of the challenges that Thomas has to face in this novel? Um, some of the challenges that he has to face is friendship because his friendships are tested. Um, he also he also has to use his knowledge when he's trying to help his friends get out of the maze. There are many things that he has to know and he has to use his mind to get out. Gabby alluded to Thomas having friends. So, of course, early on, he doesn't know who, you know, what's going on or, or where he is or who any of these people are. But does he make friends along the way? Uh, yes, he does. Um, he makes a friend named Chuck. And Chuck, um, they're really close, but sometimes he thinks Chuck is a little too talkative. Some other friends are Newt, Minho, and Teresa. Um, without spoiling anything, a couple of people want to know more about the mystery behind the maze. So do we know anything about why the maze is there or what the point of the maze is? Um, Eric is especially wondering, did somebody set up the maze? And, you know, maybe we don't want to give too much away, but... Um, what, can, what else can you guys say about the maze that might get people interested in reading this book? What we can say is that to build something, we, someone is going to have to model it. But otherwise, the, the maze has been built, but you have to know that to be further reading into the series. Yeah, and that's a really good thing to mention. Um, this, this book is part of a series. Who can maybe tell our listeners a little bit about why you might want to read beyond just the first book? Um, you might want to read beyond just the first book because other books, it kind of like explains a bit more um, of the first book and a lot of other stuff happens and there's new characters that show up. This book raises some different themes. Um, what would you say some of the themes or messages in this book are? What What do you think the author would want us to take away from this book, The Maze Runner? I think one theme of the book is that friendship is really important because when they're trying to get out of the maze, they have to make sacrifices and work together. Any other themes, um, Kylie, Elsa, or Maddie, that came up for you? 
again, I think their friendships are tested, and they always stand together. There's a moment in this book that is interesting. Later on in the book, um, a boy named Ben gets bitten by the griever, and something happens. Who can tell us a little bit about that scene and maybe what it represents in terms of the larger book? Um, so, again, further in the book, Ben, because Ben was bitten by the griever, they have side effects because they they have this serum that's like the cure, but it has side effects, and he, um, Ben hurt tries to hurt Thomas. And I think Ben tries to hurt Thomas because he's scared of Thomas and afraid of what Thomas will do to the Gladers. Maybe each of you could say which character you like most in this book and maybe one trait or characteristic about them that drew you toward that character. Um, my favorite character is Teresa. She's one of the only girls in this book, and I just think that she's kind of brave, and I just really like her. Um, my favorite character is Chuck because he was the first person to actually welcome Thomas and he really liked being with him. Uh, I also like Chuck because I think he is a really nice guy and he was always like next to Thomas. I like all of them because they're all they're all really good friends, well, most of them anyway. Um, how would you rate this book, and why would you recommend that somebody read it? I would rate this book a 9 out of 10 because it has a good plot and a good themes. There's a lot of adventure, and I just think someone would like to read it if they like adventure and suspense. Um, I would rate this also a 9 out of 10. Um, it's really good. And like Gabby said, there is a lot of interesting that happen, like interesting stuff that happens. And yeah. Um, I would rate this book a 10 out of 10 because it's full of adventures and mystery and you'll never know what happened next. And you've read the rest of the series too, Kylie, right? Yeah. And would you rate the whole series a 10 out of 10? Yeah. Awesome. What about you, Maddie? I would also rate the, ser the series and this book 10 out of 10. Because once you read to the end of this book, you feel like they're leaving you out on something and you just want to keep reading it. If you could ask a question to the author, if we had the author here right now, what would you want to ask him about uh, this book or this series of books? I would ask the author what gave him the idea or what inspired him to make this book because it's really good. Same with Gabby. I would also want to ask what inspired him to write this series. Um, I would also ask him if uh, he would um, add another book to the series or if the series is done. Um, same with Elsa because I want to read more and it's so interesting. Well, speaking of reading more, maybe each of you could recommend a book to our listeners besides this Maze Runner series that you think people might enjoy reading? I would recommend The Eye of Mind. It's another book by the same author. 
and it's really good, like the Maze Runner. I would recommend Wander. Um, I would recommend uh, Lucky Little Things. Speaking of reading other things, what other books would you recommend to our listeners besides the Maze Runner series? I would recommend the book Eye of Mind. It's another book by the same author, and it's really good, like the Maze Runner. I would recommend Wonder. Um, I would recommend Lucky Little Things. Um, It kind of has a different theme, but friendships are also tested, so it's kind of related. Um, I would recommend Land of Stories because it's also full of adventures. And uh, we have another podcast about Land of Stories. If you're interested in listening to that discussion, you can find it on our podcast feed. Uh, I want to give a big thanks again to Elsa, Kylie, Gabby, and Maddie for talking about The Maze Runner, and we hope that you enjoy reading the book.